Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. I'm going to be sharing with you on the doctrine of Scripture. Right? The doctrine of Scripture. It's a very, very important doctrine because... All that we do as believers need to be validated by the scripture. And so it is very important that we understand the doctrine of scripture so we can anchor what we do. The Bible talks about how in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. And There's no better witness to establish what you're doing than the witness of scripture. When you stand on scripture, then you summon the host of heaven to stand with you because God will not leave you alone if you choose to anchor your life in his word. So the doctrine of scripture. The Holy Scriptures are a manifestation of God coming from God and flowing through man and to man, right? They're flowing through man and to man because man was given the inspiration of the scripture, was inspired to give the scripture, flow through him, but yet to him, to man. They, the scripture, are the only inspired and infallible divine revelation ever given to man and are the supreme authority on all matters of faith and morals. The scripture is the supreme authority on all matters of faith. So you can talk about what you grew up learning all you want, At the end of the day, the scripture is the authority on all matters of faith. And from time to time, we have to evaluate what we believe and ensure that our beliefs are anchored in what the word of God says. And all of us have learned things in the past that we realize after a while was not true. And we have to take a about turn on it. But if you find that you've been believing something that is not anchored in the scripture, it's important that you move on from that belief. Find somebody that you can talk to and search the word of God, what it says as it relates to that belief. And just immediately anchor that belief belief in what the truth says. So not because you believe something that you realize after time was not really what the word of God says means that you're going to say the Bible is not true. No, you probably just never heard the scripture initially. So something took the place of the scripture and you believe that thing. But it's important that we're always evaluating what we believe so that it is 
anchored in the word of God so we can get the best possible results at the end of the day. Now, the Holy Spirit breathed upon the human vessel the very thoughts and words you wanted written as scripture, right? The Holy Spirit was the one that breathed upon the human vessel the thoughts and words he wanted written. So this word flowed through the human channel involving you know, our emotion, personalities, uh, even culture and all of that, but yet not violating the principles of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit guarded and preserved each thought, phrase, word from any error, any omission, or any inaccuracy. He guided that process of the scriptures. And we trust God to guide man. I mean, if you think about it, God guided the birth of Jesus and ensured that it happened so that you and I could be redeemed. God guided the creation of everything in, in, in the book of Genesis. God is capable of guiding uh, man in terms of delivering the accuracy of the scriptures. And he did that. So we have every confidence in our God that he can deliver without error. He's not a, a human being without divinity. He is 100% God. Well, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. We are not God. But God can guide us to enable the results that he wants in and through our lives. And he's capable of doing it without any error. As it relates to the validity of the scriptures, I know that is important because we have all kinds of documents out there that people claim to be the authority. But we want to turn to the book of Timothy tonight and read a portion of scripture and proceed from there. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us know what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right, all right? So Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy said these important words. And again, not just Paul himself, of himself, but inspired by God. He said, all scriptures is, were given by inspiration from God to man. Now let's examine the word inspiration or inspired. It comes from the word 
inspire, root word inspire. So the word inspire means God breathe, okay? It means God breathe. For example, in Genesis, God breathed into Adam or he inspired Adam. God breathed the breath of life into Adam and Adam became a living soul. So it is the same thought, it is the same meaning when Paul said all scriptures were given by inspiration from God to man. So just like God breathed into Adam the breath of life, he breathed the scriptures into man. They're inspired. They are God-breathed. So we know that God breathed into Adam and Adam became a living soul. It brought life. The inspiration of God brought, brought life to Adam. The very same thing with the scriptures. The inspiration of the scriptures. God breathed through man or into man brought life to us so that we can be in the state of light and not darkness. Now, when something is God-breathed, it means that God deposited of himself in that thing. So like when God breathed into Adam, he deposited of himself into Adam and Adam became a living soul. God breathed. So when God breathed the scripture, it means that God himself deposited of himself in the scriptures. So when God is in something, it means that life and preservation is in that thing. So I believe that even as God breathed into Adam and deposited himself, even so, he breathed the word of God into his word and deposited of himself in the word. So when the word comes into your life, it is carrying life and making a difference because the, na the very nature and presence of God is in the word of God. In fact, it is my belief that the reason why Adam probably lived so long, over 900 years, after he was kicked out of the garden, after he was locked out of the garden, was because God breathed into him. And so the life was still into him and that life carried him for over 900 more years. I'm just making the point that when God breathed into something, it carries life and preservation. There's a scripture in St. John chapter 6, verse 63, that I want to read and just show you how the Spirit of God is important as it relates to His Word and indeed our lives. It says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. 
and every word that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Well, that's very interesting. God's word is spirit and life. Why? Because they are God breathed. In other words, what he's saying, my spirit is in that word which will produce life. That's what it means to be God breathed. They're inspired. The word of God is inspired by God. It's not just empty, it's not just mere words. They carry the very presence and nature of God. So the very nature and presence of God is in his word. And that is what causes his word to quicken you. That is why Hebrews could say the word of God is quick. And that word quick there means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. What gives the word that kind of power? The presence of God. The fact that the word is God. The presence and nature of God. So it carries life to heal your body. It carries life to dispel darkness from your life. So that is why you can partner with the word of God and healing comes to your body. If you will give that word the room to work in your life, it can bring or it will bring transformation because the word is God breathed. The spirit of God is in the word of God. So now you understand why the Bible says, uh, Jesus said, my words cannot return to me void or empty. The word void means empty. They cannot return to me. They shall not return void, but they shall accomplish and prosper into whatever they're sent. Why? Because the very life of God is in those words. Remember, it was the very word of God that was spoken that penetrated the darkness in the book of Genesis. God said, let there be light in a place that was engulfed in darkness and there was light. So if you speak the word, if you will dare to speak the word in your life, it will bring healing, it will bring transformation, it will bring life to your life. It is God breathed. I want to read one more scripture as we lay this foundation of the word of God talking about the doctrine of scripture. And that scripture will come to you from St. Mark chapter 13 and verse 31. It's a short verse, but very powerful. It says, heaven and earth will disappear. Or some versions say pass away. But my word shall never disappear or never pass away, never disappear. So heaven and earth will disappear, but my word, my word shall never disappear. They can't pass away because God deposited of himself in his word. And remember, God is eternal. So 
that eternal characteristic of God is in his word. So his word cannot pass away. That nature of eternity is in the word. So God says, my word cannot pass away. Heaven and earth has limits on it in terms of existence in this life. But my word shall not pass away. Why? Because they represent me and I am eternal. Pastor Miles Monroe once said that the word Bible really means basic instructions before leaving her. It was Jesus's basic instructions to man before leaving earth. Now, the Bible is a compilation of books. There are many books that come together to be referred to as the Bible. The Bible is a, a divine library consisting of 66 separate books, yet those books are related. They're separate, separate, but related. The Bible is the book of all books. It's the word of God. The two divisions of the Bible, the Old Testament has 39 books and the New Testament contain 27 books. And New Testament to mean from Matthew, in this context, we're talking about from Matthew to Revelation. So though it's a compilation of 66 books, they are unified to give you one book at the end of the day called the Bible. As I said before, the Bible is the only authoritative revelation of God. Now, even though some people claim to have all kinds of negatives to say about the Bible, you know, people think that the Bible contradicts itself and it is not totally true and all that kind of stuff. Even though people have all kinds of negatives to say at times about the word of God, the Bible is still used as the basis for laws and direction, even by those who don't serve the law. That's how important the Bible is. In fact, the framework of most constitutions in the world and most judicial systems have their basis in the word of God. And in recent times, we see where many people are trying to adjust their constitution to accommodate the life styles of today. And it causes all kinds of problems because, you know, though now the law is based on man's idea instead of the word of God. But the Bible certainly is the framework for constitutions, for judicial system, for education system, educational systems all over the world. It's in maybe the last however many years that people are trying to get the 
Bible, the Word of God, out of the education system. And we've seen the effects of it. But the Bible is used as the basis, as the framework for most of our major law centers in the world. And that's speaking to the importance of that the scripture. So even if you don't believe in the Bible, the interesting thing is that you still have to operate by some of the fundamentals of the Bible in some areas of your life, even if you don't believe it. That's how powerful the Bible is. It still manages our lives and provide the basis of how we operate in life. The word scripture means, it simply means writing. And the scriptures are God's word to man. And uh, over 2,000 times in the Bible, the scripture is alluded to as the word of God. And we're going to look at a few places in the Bible where the scripture is referred to in different ways, called different names. But yet you know that it is going right back to the word of God or the scriptures. And the first that we'll look at is, as I said before, the word of God. It's referred to as the word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 and St. John 10 verse 35. Referred to as the word of God. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 or St. John 10 verse 35. Scripture is also referred to as the word of the Lord. The scripture is referred to as the word of God, Hebrews 4.12, John 10.35. It also is referred to as the word of the Lord. And you could read Jeremiah 1 verses, verse 2 for that, and Acts 8.25. The word of the Lord, Jeremiah 2 verse 1 and Acts 8.25. The scripture is also referred to as the word of Christ. The word of Christ. Colossians 3 verse 16 for that. The word of Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. It is also referred to as the word of life. Word of life. Philippians 2 verse 1. The scripture is referred to as the word of truth. The word of truth. Ephesians 1 verse 13 is the word of truth. And that's very important. Let me just say a little bit more on that. You know, the Bible says that Jesus is the truth. He's the way the truth and the life, all right? He doesn't have truth. He is the truth. And the Bible also speaks to the fact that God cannot lie because he is the truth. 
So anything at all that God says to you at any time, it is the truth because he cannot lie and he is the truth. On the other side, the Bible says, Satan is the father of lies. Remember now that father means to produce and to sustain. So if he is the father of lies, that means he produces lies and sustains them. And the Bible also says that the truth is not in him. He cannot speak the truth. So anything at all that the devil says to you is a lie because he cannot speak the truth. Even if it was going to get him out of the future, hell that he's going to spend eternity, he can't speak the truth because the truth is not in him. So follow me carefully here. On one side, there is God who cannot lie. So anything he says is the truth. On the other side is the devil who cannot speak the truth because he's the father of lies. So anything that he say is a lie. You now have to make up your mind if you're going to believe the truth or you're going to believe a lie. Whose report will you believe? Will you believe the report of truth or the report of lie? It's not a matter that the devil don't want to speak the truth. He can't. So when we talk about the word of truth, it is important to embrace that because that's representing, of course, as you know, your father God. The scripture is also called the word of faith. In Romans, it says the word of faith is nigh or near, even in your mouth. So in the time of trouble, speak the word of faith. God gave you his word to create the realities of your life. The word with faith to create the realities of your life. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. For that, the word of faith. The scripture is also referred to as the word. The word. Just the word. James 1, verse 21 to 23. That's James 1, verse 21 to 23. St. John 1, verse 1 to 3. I didn't plan to read the scripture, but I want to read it and show you something. Read from St. John chapter 1, verse 1. I want you to see this one as we're reading it, not just to hear it. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was God, was with God, sorry. And the word was God. All right. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus Christ is the living word. And 
we talk now about the word made flesh that's talking about Jesus Christ. He's the living word, and it's the word of God that was made flesh. Now, the Bible is the written word. Jesus, living word, the Bible, the written word. So the living word is revealed in the written word. And the written word leads us to the living word. So they are one. There is no separation between the living word and the written word. The living word is revealed in the written word. So if you want to know about the living word, Jesus, you read the written word. It gives you understanding of the living word. And the written word, as you study that, as you accept the written word, it leads you to the living word. They are one. So hence John said, the word was God and the word became flesh according to verse 12. They are one and there is no separation as it relates to the word of God, the living word and the written word. The Holy Scriptures also teaches that the Bible is the oracles of God. I want to talk about that for a minute. Oracles means speaking place. So Christianity arises out of a faith in an infinite personal God who has not been silent, but has spoken. The Bible is indeed the oracle of God. And it is the speaking place of God. It is the oracles of God. It is from the platform of the Bible, so to speak, that he speaks loudly as it relates to what he likes and he do, he doesn't what he don't like and um, his direction. It is the speaking place of God. Some people might, you know, go um, take up a microphone in front of a hundred person, hundred thousand persons to to speak. The oracles of God are the speaking place of God. Is the word of God. If you want to know how God thinks, what He is saying, read the word of God. Sometimes, in our desperation to hear from God, we neglect reading the word and only want to hear the audible voice. But the speaking place of God is the word of God. So it is as you read the word of God and accept the word of God in your life that you will hear the audible voice. You will hear God speaking to you in different ways. It is important to take time out to hear what he has to say to you. And I encourage you also to make it a goal in your life to read the entire Bible. I know many of you have started many times and for one reason or not, you have not completed it, but it is important to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation over and over and over. 
Because remember also, you know, that the Holy Spirit comes to bring things to our remembrance. He cannot bring any scripture to your remembrance that you did not know in the first place. So the way that he brings it to your remembrance is on the premise that you knew it before, that scripture, and he reminds you of it at appropriate time. I can't begin to tell you how many times that there are scriptures that I did not remember was in the Bible. And through a time of prayer or times, God brings it back to my remembrance for his purpose. So it is important to understand that the Holy Scriptures is the oracle, oracle of God. It is the speaking place of God. And the more scriptures you know, is the more you set yourself up to hear from God. And you can't know a scripture enough that you can stop reading it because you think you know it, you've read it 50 times, and the 51st time you read it, you start seeing things in that scripture that you're wondering, where did this come from? It's almost like a flood gate open and God start furnishing your spirit with understanding in a way that you never dreamed. All right? Let me say to you that every kingdom has certain commonalities. There are certain things that are common to kingdom, whether it's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of man in terms of different nations and all of that, there are some things that are common to kingdom. So, for example, every kingdom has a king. It is not a kingdom if you don't have a king. can't be. Every kingdom has territory. Every kingdom has a security system. Every kingdom has a financial system. And that's where we come from as it relates to tithes and offering. That's the financial system of the kingdom of God. It's not a church idea or just a good thing. It's the system of the kingdom of God. And if you don't obey the financial system in the country that you live, you get, you get yourself in trouble with the law. And when you get yourself in trouble with the law, then you can lose your freedom, your rights, your benefits. If you don't obey the system, the laws of the kingdom, then you put yourself in trouble with the king. That is why God says, if you don't bring the tithes and the offering, you rob me because I'm the king. And not staying on that tonight. Just thought I would say that. But Here's where we're getting. Every kingdom has a constitution. Every kingdom has a constitution. And right or wrong is not determined by feelings. Right or wrong is determined by the constitution. Not about 
what is fair and what is not fair, it is about the constitution. So if you go to court in any, any, any country that you live, that you're listening, if you go to court, justice is not served according to emotions and being sorry for you and all of that. It is about the constitution. Right or wrong is determined by the constitution. And it is the same way in the kingdom of God. Right or wrong is based on the constitution. Right or wrong in the kingdom of God is not about your church rules or what you grew up knowing. It is about the constitution, what the constitution says. And sometimes we forget that and we even feel convicted by things that have nothing to do with the constitution because we've been taught those things for a long time and they have settled in our subconscious, subconscious mind. So right or wrong is not about feelings. It is about the constitution, what the constitution says. So in a kingdom, if you live by the constitution, you reap the benefits laid down in that kingdom for you. It is the same way with the kingdom of God. If you live by the word of God, the constitution, it will take care of you. Problem is, many believers, many kingdom believers, make up their own constitution along the way. They live by their own laws and find ways to justify those things so that they can feel okay about doing it. So I am saying to you tonight that I am sure that the constitution of the kingdom of God can produce excellence in your life, can produce greatness, can produce abundance, can heal your body. God can deliver what he says according to his constitution. But can the laws that you are substituting for the constitution in your own life deliver at the level or deliver any at all, more so at the level that they constitution of the kingdom of God delivered. In a kingdom, the king's word is law, right? God never intended to share his kingdom with none other or with any other. So his laws were intended to govern his kingdom including the earth realm because he created earth so that you can get the best results at the end of the day. You know, it's not a matter that God wants to control you why he gave you his word or the scripture. He knows what will enable you to become your best 
and produce the best results in your life, what will guide you to the best results in your life at the end of the day. And that is why he gave you his word. Now, I'm sure that you will agree with me that God knows more than you. Remember that he's omniscient, he's all-knowing. So he knows that the best thing for us is his word. So he gave us his word, the constitution of the kingdom of God. So when you go and deliberately do your own thing, that's a slap in God's face. You're saying, God, I, I, you don't know how to take care of this. I know how to take care of it. That's exalting yourself against the knowledge of God. And making a mistake is one thing. But when you deliberately set out to say you don't care, pastor can't control you, church people doing this and that, and come up with all those nonsense and walk out and do your own thing, you're setting up yourself for trouble. So that is why the scripture comes to us in, from Isaiah 1, verse 19, and says, if you be willing and obedient, you know what the Bible says? If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Well, be willing to do what? And to be and obedient to what? The scriptures, the word of God, the constitution of the kingdom. If you are willing to practice the constitution of the kingdom, if you will be obedient to the word of God, the Bible says that will set you up to eat the good of the land. Don't you want to eat the good of the land? The way to do it is the scripture. You know, in the Bible, the priest represented the people before God. The prophet represented God to the people and the king was responsible for uh, executing the law of God in terms of administration and that kind of stuff. So the king represented or is supposed to embody the constitution of the kingdom. So the presence of the king speaks to the constitution and how one ought to be guided. Now, if you read the book of Judges after Joshua died and the judges ruled Israel, Israel went into the hands of the judges. The Bible says in Judges, this is very significant, that there was no king in Israel. That means there was no one representing the word of God, the, the administration of the word of God, the, um, the example of people following the word of God or the law. Put it this way, there was no one representing the structure of the law. There was no king in Israel. And what happened? The next few words. Every man 
did what was right in his own sight. So in other words, there was no real constitution that they followed. There was no king, nobody representing the constitution, leading the way as far as that is concerned. And every man did what was right in his own sight, did his own thing, lived by his own constitution. And if you read carefully through the book of Judges, you will find that Judges records the most failures in Israel's history. And in the entire battle. Why? No king, no constitution. People did what was right in the owner. The importance, we talk about the importance of the word of God. The constitution or the law, as we call it, the word of God is very important. The constitution is fundamental in any kingdom. Because you see, if there's no constitution, if there's no law, then they cannot, the police cannot stop you and tell you that you were driving 90 miles per hour in a 50 mile zone. If there's no law, they can't do that. Everybody do what is right in their own eyes, which means there would be no judicial system because they wouldn't have any standard by which they can judge. So we would have problems, people just doing their own thing. Now you understand what it means that there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. So a constitution is a network of laws. Interestingly, and I'll close with this, in St. Matthew chapter five, verse 17, Jesus said something interesting. He said, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but to fulfill. Wow. I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. So the law, uh, the, remember the constitution is a networking, a network of laws. So he said, I didn't come to destroy the constitution. I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets for that matter. Well, remember that the prophet represented God to the people. The prophet represents God to the people. So he's representing the word of God, what God is saying, which is his word. He's representing what God is saying to the people. He's representing the word of God to the people. So Jesus said, I did not come. Don't ever think that I'm come to destroy the law or, or the prophet. I'm come to fill, fulfill the law and to fulfill what the prophet has been saying about me or my words that the prophet has been speaking. So there we see the importance of the scripture and the word of God in our lives. It is not just a good idea to learn the scripture and to live by it. It is life. In fact, we know that wisdom is very important in life. Solomon was writing in Proverbs and he said, wisdom is the principal thing, the main thing. Well, what is wisdom? 
you know, wisdom is the application of knowledge. But if you don't have the knowledge, you can't apply it. So you see how important knowledge is to wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. But if you don't have the knowledge, you can't apply it. So you see the importance of the word of God. When we have knowledge of the word of God, of the scriptures, then we can apply it and we become wise. It is your responsibility to learn the constitution and live by it. You know, many of us are not used to learning the constitution. There are many folks here listening to me tonight that you've never ever seen a copy of the Jamaica, uh, Jamaican Constitution or the country that you live. You probably never read the Constitution. So it's a culture among people. And we take that same thinking and attitude into the kingdom of God. We don't read the constitution. So we don't know how to execute. We don't even know our rights. So sometimes you're contending for something that you already have. It's like Esau and Jacob. The word of the Lord already came that the elder shall serve the younger. There was no need to, for any stealing of birthright, birthright and um, mixing up food and doing anything. No, because the word of the Lord already set in place that the elder would serve the young. But we need to have knowledge of it. Guess what? You're going to act in the flesh. I'm trusting the Lord tonight that we will make a steadfast effort to honor the scripture more in our lives to pay more attention to the scripture, to make it a part of our lives. In fact, make it our lives that your every move, your, your actions are guided by the scripture. Because that way, you're setting up yourself for major success to be effective as a kingdom citizen. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at fcfmontegobay.